The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Okay. Today, we're going to hear the second part of our interview with Amazon Marketplace expert, Adam Weiler. Adam is the founder of Sunken Stone, which is a performance-based Amazon management agency. In our last episode, Adam walked us through how he became an Amazon Marketplace expert, how the platform has changed since he's been working on it, and what people can expect in terms of additional ROI when they start working on the Amazon Marketplace. If you missed that episode, it's full of great information. We'd love for you to go back and give it a listen. That said, in this episode, Adam is going to walk us through some of the best practices and strategies that he implements with his clients to maximize their ROI using the Amazon Marketplace. Here's the second part of our interview with Adam. So Adam, in the last episode, you and I talked a lot about sort of what the Amazon Marketplace is and some of the software that goes into optimizing it. What I want to do is a little mock case study. And I want you to walk me through a little bit of what your agency does to help support their customers that they probably couldn't do on their own. So as an example, let's say I'm selling a physical product. I am selling a iPhone charger that has a built-in place for you to charge your Apple Watch. And it's a relatively new product. What's the process look like for you in terms of onboarding a new customer? And how would you think about marketing that product? Well, number one, I'm interested in buying your service or your product. Sounds awesome. Great. I don't actually have one. <laughs> Do you know anybody in China that could help me manufacture this? Definitely. I, I can connect you to a few people. Great. So what we're going to do, as far as the onboarding goes, we're going to ask a bunch of questions about the product. We're going to get your assets, whether that's photos and videos. If you've got multiple different products, we're going to have you give us your SKU sheet with like your UPC codes. And then we're going to start building out the listings. So we're going to assign those to our copywriters to build out the content. And the copywriters are going to make great title. They're going to make great bullet points. They're going to make great A-plus content or enhanced brand content. So we've got a content team. And what we're doing is filling out these product demographic sheets. So this is like a great exercise. If someone just wants to do this on their own, they totally can. You're really looking for who's the target customer. What are they using this for? What are the key benefits? What are the pain points this product's fixing? And those are the issues that you want to hit in your copy. No one wants a hammer. They want a nail on the wall. So what's their nail on the wall? 
Okay. So in the example that we have, I guess the core customer is for people that are technology forward Apple fans. They have both the Apple Watch and the iPhone, and they're not sure at a given time which device is going to die first. Mm -hmm. So they want to quickly and easily be able to charge both devices at the same time or one device on the go. Right. That's definitely a pain point. Okay. So you're hitting that pain point over and over. And now because it's a unique product, it's like a catch-22. Like people aren't searching for it. So keywords matter a little bit less. Okay. So if we're selling just another omega-3 fish oil, that we know what the keywords are because we can go look at 20 other competitors, kind of scrape whatever keywords they're doing and come up with a variation of those. Now, this is a completely new product. So we're looking for more generic terms, whether it's iPhone or iPhone charger or Apple iWatch charger. We might not be able to rank for those because those are really competitive niches. So we want to find like longer tail keywords that we might be able to rank for, like iPhone iWatch charger. Okay. So if it's a generic product, and even if it's a brand new product, you're looking for those medium to long tail keywords that you're going to have two to three to even four word keywords that you're going to be able to target in your front end and your back end and your advertising campaigns effectively. So it sounds like the mechanism you're building is an organic traffic driver, right? You're figuring out what keywords so you can take advantage of what people are looking for in the platform. But if this is a product that people don't know to look for, how do you think about getting it out there? So there's on Amazon and then there's off Amazon. I'll talk about on Amazon because that's really what we specialize in. So our standard operating procedures are we want to get the products into best deal slash lightning deals. And these are, it's a different category page. This is more for the casual browser. So if you're going to buy a omega-3 fish oil, you're going to go to Amazon, you're going to search omega-3 or fish oil. And then you're going to scroll. You might look at the first 10, you'll buy one of them and that's it. But this, the best deal page or the deals page gets emailed out to, I think it's 50 million people a day. It's the second most traffic page, I believe, besides the homepage. And you're getting people that you wouldn't normally get. So if someone's looking for a deal and they go to this page, they might not have been looking for fish oil that day, but they might just buy it. Just like when you're at the store and you see something with a tag and you're like, oh, this is a sale. You're capturing the browsing community, not the searching community. Exactly. So what are the economics of getting to a deal page like that? Is that an upfront fee? Is it a CPM? How does it work to get into that placement? Well, back in the day, it used to be totally free. And those were the glory days. It used to be free and there weren't that many people able to do it. So that was like a huge lever. Now everyone has access to it or pretty much everyone has access to it. And they're charging about $150 per lightning deal. Mm -hmm. And then you have to discount the price at least 20% off the previous trailing 30-day average. So do you artificially boost your cost for 30 days to get it back to where you want it to be? It's a trade-off. It's the kind of thing where do you want to shoot yourself in the foot for 30 days and get less sales for a four-hour potential period? So we generally discourage that and just say, like, especially on a replenishable item, it's worth giving the 20% at the lower price. If it's a one-time sale, you got to be strategic with this. What's the type of volume when somebody does one of these big daily deals? Is it a month's worth of sales? Is it a day's worth of sales? Is it five days? How do you gauge what the value of it is? If you get deal of the day, which there's only two or three a day, and that's the one that's like always on there, they say you're going to do a month's worth of sales in that one day. That's not all lightning deals, though, just to be very clear. Yeah, that's a lot of cords coming out of grandma's garage. <laughs> 
Yes. I mean, a lot of iPhone watch chargers. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you get the right branding around that, you got something. Okay. That can move. So not every product is great for browsers, right? Dog products seem to do well. Certain health products do well. Some do terrible. Like some we wouldn't sell any on a lightning deal and we don't even try anymore. But if it's the kind of product that does well for a Facebook feed and Instagram feed where you're scrolling by, you're like, I didn't know I need that, but now I need that. That would do really well. The impulse buys. Yep, exactly. All right. So just to recap, if you're looking at a product that's a new product that people are unaware of or something that you would consider an impulse buy, you'd want to do some promotions primarily around the deal space because you're catching the browsing community, not necessarily people that already know what they're looking for and are searching. Correct. And that's one great lever. And then the on Amazon advertising, where I'd say lightning deals is 10, 15% lever, like advertising is the big one. So walk me through the Amazon advertising platform. Yeah, it's really evolved over the last couple of years. I heard some stats on here and it's like grown a thousand percent. The numbers are just crazy out of this. They used to have one placement. And now if you look for something, the majority above the fold search results are advertising. Just for an example, if you go to Amazon, you type in fish oil. The first thing you're going to see is what's called a headline ad. And this is the one with a couple different images and a little snippet of copy. And it's all cost per click. So if no one's clicking on it, like you're not spending a ton of money, which is pretty cool. I like those cost per click advertising campaigns versus cost per view where you can't really trace anything. So then underneath that headline search ad is going to be a sponsor product ad. Those sponsor products are cost per click as well. And then also in that Amazon advertising ecosystem, there's what's called uh, AMG ads or Amazon Media Group ads. And these can actually target external or you could retarget people who saw your product but didn't buy. And now they're on ESPN or they're on Huffington Post. Mm -hmm. You can actually retarget those. And Amazon's kind of doing that, but this like really targets them. What about the like Amazon's choice or the best sellers? Can you buy promotions to sort of make your product look more official? I wish. (laughs) So Amazon's choice is per keyword. So if you search for what's your brand of your charger? It is charge me to go. (laughs) There's something there. Hey, I'm a marketer, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we'll handle the Amazon when you get it developed. Right after you get me my manufacturer and I have enough overhead to (laughs) produce the first thousand of them. (laughs) Kickstarter. Here we go. Anyway, it has to already exist. (laughs) Okay. Charge me to go. So you will probably get Amazon's choice for charge me to go very easily with like two sales. And there's a couple of different factors in there. It's that when someone searches for that keyword and buys that product, they're having low return rates. They're having like no issues, Amazon calls it, right? Like they're not calling in customer service. They're not returning it. They're not refunding it. They're not leaving bad reviews. Mm -hmm. Those are all the factors that weigh into Amazon's choice. Plus, I'm sure a million others that Amazon doesn't even say. So for charge to go, it's going to be easy because not a lot of competition for charge me to go. Oh, charge (laughs) is trademark copyright (laughs) for iPhone charger. That's going to be a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Now you're competing with all those other keywords. So it's on a keyword by keyword basis for Amazon's choice. There used to be some black hat hacks around it. We always have to like know what's going on just in case competitors are going against us. Mm-hmm. We're managing about 65 other brands. Like we have to be safe so we can't mess around with the black hat stuff, but we want to know what's out there and what people are doing in the marketplace. So people were hacking it certain ways and still kind of are trying to, but you really can't around that one. So that's Amazon's choice around bestseller 
So that is, if you scroll down on desktop, about halfway down any Amazon product page. So if you search for fish oil, click on one of the fish oil, and then scroll about halfway down the page, you're going to see something that says like ASIN. So that's Amazon Serial Identification Number. You're going to see something called Bestseller Rank. Mm -hmm. And you'll see like, hey, this is ranked 2000 in health and personal care, but it is number 17 for omega-3 fish oil. Now, when you get to number one in omega-3 fish oil, you're going to get that bestseller badge that shows up in the search results, shows up on the product page. Like, talk about conversion rate bump. You want that. Yeah. So if you're the number one seller, and that sounds like it's in terms of volume for a subcategory in Amazon, they brand it and that helps you stay in a dominant position. Mm -hmm. But in the example of our iPhone Apple Watch charger, we're a new product, so we would have to have a fair amount of transactions to get to that point. And pro tip on this part is, so if we try to compete in the iPhone charger subcategory, we're going to be, you know, number 10 million. But if we compete in the iWatch charger category, it's less competition, we might be able to get that number one spot. So choosing a less popular category, we'll be able to get that number one spot in a subcategory easier. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Okay. So you talked us through how to get the listing created and how to drive some demand by using some of the promotional tools. What about the back half? What about actually getting to the sale? Like, is there any page optimization? And then what about the fulfillment returns? And how do you sort of gauge your ROI and optimize? So as far as ongoing optimization you've got to look at a number of different factors and then react accordingly or be proactive, right? You're looking at your conversion rate so that you're looking at the number of sessions you're getting, which is like page views. So if 100 people go to the page, 25 buy, your conversion rate is 25%, right? Pretty solid. 
Mm-hmm. And on Amazon, it's doable. We've had products converting at 75%. It's insane. I'm assuming that's not fish oil. <laughs> well, but similar, like a commodity product. So you want to look at your conversion rate. Obviously, you want to get that as high as possible because you're making more sales without spending any more money. And an average e-commerce, if you had your own Shopify store, that's converting at 2.5%, and that's really good. More typically around 1%. It actually brings up an interesting question to my mind. What I'm curious to know is, you know, if the conversion rates are potentially 10 to 30% higher in some cases from traditional e-commerce, why do people continue to do traditional e-commerce as opposed to just be on Amazon? What does Amazon charge when you actually make a sale? Good question. So let me break down the fees first, and then I'll talk about why good brands should still do it. So fees, if you're selling on Seller Central, which is third-party seller, like selling on Amazon versus selling to Amazon, So if you're selling on Amazon, you're going to pay a category fee. Most of them are 15%. If you're selling certain electronics or computers, it's lower. Certain items are lower. And that's of your sale price. Yeah, of your gross sale. Right. So if you sell something that's $100, you're going to pay $15 off the bat. And they're handling credit card processing. It's their buyer. So you have to think of it that way. The traffic is there. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to pay an FBA fee. And these range all the time depending on how big the product is. But call it $3 for something the size of a pill bottle, plus or minus a couple cents. And there's online calculators that you can use. You type in your dimensions and the weight of the product, and it tells you how much it is. Then, obviously, it's the cost of the product, the cost to get it labeled and get it into Amazon's fulfillment centers, and then the cost of on Amazon advertising or any promotions that you do. So what is the typical ROI for a product? So we don't really know the cost of goods or cogs of our brand's products because we take a percentage of sales, not a percentage of profit because it's so much easier to calculate. And we want them to be more profitable because then they can put more money in advertising. So if they get gains in efficiency in manufacturing or in operations and they can make 10 extra points on profit, that's great. I don't even want to know. But what happens after all the fees and after all the marketing? Usually, the brand is getting about 50 to 60% back, depending on the product, Mm -hmm. after all the fees and after all the shipping and after all the marketing. Okay. So basically, outside of your cost of goods sold, you're retaining 60% of your revenue. Mm -hmm. And you ask, like, if conversion rates are so high, why even have your own e-commerce store? Well, your e-commerce store is going to be way more profitable. Or if you are acquiring traffic for the same amount of cost, it's going to be more profitable because you're paying 1.8% for that credit card processor versus 15%. Shipping, about a wash if you have a good fulfillment center. It's all about how much it costs to acquire the customer. And then once you have that customer on your e-commerce store, you can then remarket to them versus if they're on Amazon, they're Amazon's customer. You can't think of them as your customer. Right. So essentially, even if your conversion rates are 2% instead of 25%, You can remarket to the customer and have them become a repeat purchaser. You aren't paying 40% to Amazon to acquire the customer. So hypothetically, you're more profitable using your own website than getting an Amazon customer. Yeah. And we preach that it's not one or the other. It's everything. A brand in 2018 needs to be on every channel, but needs to be managed well on every channel. Pricing either the same or relatively the same across the web. So you're not like just trading dollars away. Pricing relatively the same, 
but being everywhere because Amazon has a great SEO presence. You're going to get your product seen in more places. And people might go to Amazon to do product research, but then they might bounce to your website to buy the product and vice versa. Okay. So using our hypothetical Apple Watch iPhone charger, we now understand how to get the product listed. We talked about how to drive some traffic to it and a little bit about how to think about our ROI and optimize it. What else is part of the service that you and your company provide? So inventory management is a key aspect of that as well. If you don't have inventory on your own website, you can kind of backfill orders and just take the order and ship them in a couple of days when you get inventory. But Amazon doesn't want that because everything has to be prime and they have to hit those thresholds they want people to buy. So if you don't have inventory, if you go out of stock, you disappear from the search results. So having inventory is super important. And you think it'll be easy, like if we get past below 50, just send in more. But especially with promotions, with deals, if you're going to get featured on a blog or you're going to do a podcast for your product, like you're going to get a spike and you'll go out of stock or seasonality. You don't want to send too much in because then Amazon hits you with all these other fees like storage fees. So managing inventory correctly is a real pain point. And we've been fortunate enough to have some great talent around there to do it really well. And how about customer services dealing with returns or complaints or defective product? Yeah, I know a lot of brands kind of like gloss over customer service, but on Amazon, it becomes this ability to touch the customer because a lot of people want Amazon's customer service to deal with the customer, but that's like the worst thing for your brand because they don't know how this stuff works. They don't really care. They've got a million people in a call center somewhere and they're not attuned to your specific customer service FAQs. So if you have that setting turned off in your seller central to have Amazon manager or to have yourself manager customer service, turn it back on because you want to be able to not only give that customer a great experience, but potentially prevent a negative review or get a positive review based on that interaction. So they email in, hey, my headphones aren't working. This sucks. These are broken. And instead of the Amazon customer service agent just being like, oh, here's your refund, send them back. You've got either a representative like us or you've got your customer service agents walking them through the process. Hey, make sure you turn the setting on. Did you try this? Oh, yeah, that works. Hey, were you happy? Can you go write about your experience on the product page? Mm -hmm. And those reviews, they're super hard to get now, especially with all the stuff Amazon's cracking down on them. So any review is like literally worth its weight in gold. Awesome. Okay. Well, I think we've sort of beaten the iWatch iPhone charger case study to death. <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit about how your customers find you and who are the people that you're trying to meet? So a ton come from referrals just because business owners talk to other business owners. And it seems like, hey, what issues are you having with Amazon? Talk to our Amazon people. So a ton from referrals. We do a lot of trade shows because our target demo, our target brand is a brand that has budget to do some campaigns, like isn't afraid to throw some money at this for the first few months. Because in the beginning, it takes a little bit to get momentum. The days of just putting the product up and starting to sell and be profitable out of the gate, I don't think that's possible anymore. So you need, if you're listening to this and you're going to do this out of your spare bedroom, just have a little budget for promotions. You're going to have to be in the negative for a couple of months so we're looking for partner brands that are aware of that, that treat Amazon like they would any other marketing campaign. Yeah, we're going to be negative for a little bit. And hopefully we're able to turn out of that. And most of the time we are. What's the level of budget that you suggest somebody plans for relative to, I guess, how much their product costs? 
And how long does it normally take to get an Amazon store scaled and profitable? A bazillion dollars in one day. No. One day, huh? (laughs) So we've had certain brands that weren't on Amazon at all. So just by putting them up there, we're able to generate positive returns out of the gate. Those are few and far between. Most brands are either on Amazon, but they're just unoptimized, or there's not a lot of search intent. The best scenario is, I'll use that fish oil example and the charger example. So for fish oil, we'll do some research. So Jungle Scout is a tool. I think they have a free version. There's a paid version. That'll give you kind of competitive business intelligence around the keywords. So you could say like these guys, they're selling 200 units a day on this first page of search engine results. Like if we want to hit this, we're going to have to spend some serious dollars here. There's keywords that if you're bidding on, they're $25 a click in the health and personal space. So you're going to dump some cash in there in the hopes that people like the product. It's a good product, right? It's going to get good reviews. It's going to get low returns. It's going to start rising in those keyword rankings. And then that's leading to organic purchasers, which are going to buy the product and like it and keep buying it. So as far as a percentage of budget, we're looking for brands that have ad budgets of anywhere from three to $10,000 a month on Amazon that we can deploy effectively. And worst case scenario, we get break even. So we spend 3000 in sales or 3000 in ad spend and we get 3000 in revenue. Best case, we're getting a two, three, four, sometimes five plus to one return on ad spend. So you spend $1,000, you get 4000 in sales. And then the brand's like, okay, scale this up off to the races. Mm-hmm. How long does it take to get to the optimal spend level generally? I wish there was like normalization around this because so many people are jumping into the platform and so many people are boosting up their bids that it literally changes month over month. We have to adjust keyword bids and campaign budgets every single month just because of the fluctuation. But rule of thumb, four months till you can show proof to Amazon. It's similar to an ad score in AdWords where you have to like prove to Amazon like, hey, this is a valid product. You should actually show it in your ad rotation. Great. Okay. So I asked this question to everybody. You've been working on the Amazon platform for 10 years. You obviously had a different experience before. For people that are new in their marketing career, people that are interested in starting with Amazon, what advice do you have for them? Knowledge, obviously, there's a ton of great resources. And one great bit of advice would be you got to do something different because everyone's reading all the same resources. Everyone's reading the same podcasts and everyone's kind of just focused on just the Amazon. What I would say is you need to have something unique. Whether that's an Instagram following of a hundred thousand dedicated fans that you could harness for every product release, YouTube proficiency, you know, some kind of niche sliver, we call it marketing wins that you could harness because those are the ones that we hit it out of the park with. It's like we do all we can to optimize Amazon. And then they unleash this fire hose of like Instagram fans that direct them at the page and with like a promo code and boom, off to the races. And much more profitable. So I would say combining two different channels, like an Amazon plus an Instagram, an Amazon plus a YouTube, you know, an Amazon plus something or conversion rate optimization equals success. If you're just going to do the Amazon without the other part, you need to partner with someone or buy it, and that's going to get expensive. But having that expertise, I think, differentiates you. Any other advice for young marketers outside of just uh, focusing on Amazon? 
so I was on a tiny little wave that then turned into this e-commerce revolution. I didn't know Amazon was going to be as big as it was today. I kind of just got lucky. And once I realized we're on this wave, I'm not getting off. We're paddling our ass off. <laughs> we don't want to die here. So I think being aware of that and asking for help, being open. You know, before I used to think it was a mindset shift has really helped me out. So before I thought I knew all these Amazon secrets, I'm not sharing them with anyone. And now I realize like being in a room with five other large Amazon sellers, I won't hold anything back. I'll just share all the secrets. Here's what we're doing. Here's what's working. Here's what's not. And I get a million times back what I put out there in the universe. So I think that big mindset shift has been instrumental. Turns out relationship matters. And even when you're selling products on Amazon, and I think that's a good point to say, okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks to Adam for joining us. If you're interested in learning more about Adam and Sunken Stone, or if you'd like to get some help selling on Amazon, go to sunkenstone.com, S-U-N-K-E-N-S-T-O-N-E. If you'd like to read the transcript of this podcast, we've published it on martechpod.com. If you're a subscriber of the MarTech Podcast, thank you very much. We want you to feel like a member of our community. So if you have any questions or comments, or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, feel free to reach out to me directly at podcast at benjshap.com or on LinkedIn or Twitter. Our handle is LLC. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got some great episodes lined up in the next few weeks. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.